Welcome to the Mosh Zone, episode 54, volume 54, week 54, number fucking 54. Hang on guys, how's your week been? Thank you for tuning in. So this week's guest is Aaron from Betraying the Martyrs, but that will be coming up later in the show. So I thought I'd start things off like we have been over the last few weeks, and that's with a bit of feedback and some questions. We got a couple of questions this week. One was from Louie over Twitter who asked, Can you name some of the hottest Aussie bands that you recommend right now? Well, Louie, I obviously think you mean maybe up and coming and undiscovered. I think all of these I'm about to name are discovered and are known within the Australian scene. One or two might be known internationally, but these bands I really recommend. There's a bit of every style in here as well. Cannot stop mentioning and frothing over Alpha Wolf. If you don't know them, if you haven't really given them a chance, get into Alpha Wolf. Absolutely phenomenal band, and they will blow up. They're about to go overseas soon to Europe. This band will be a massive band in the next few years. Mark my words. Now, other Aussie bands I really recommend are Teeth, guys from Sydney. Really solid, epic fucking EP they dropped early this year called Pray For War. Honest Crooks, solid, sludgy, doomy, hardcore, really good beatdown stuff from those guys. Of course, I have to give a massive mention to one of my favourite bands from Australia, Bare Bones. There's also Dreg from Melbourne, lovely hardcore, punky, kind of messed up shit with a new metal feel. There's also Mavis from Adelaide, kind of new metal-y, metalcore stuff there. And of course, a new band that we just featured on our website and social medias that dropped their debut single this week are called Dealer, and that is the ex-singer of Alpha Wolf. That's his new band, Make sure you check all of those bands out, guys. Get on your band camps, get on your iTunes, get on your social medias, give them a like and follow. Get into that music and help grow the Australian scene because Australia needs some help growing. So your support will be invaluable. I also got a question this week through Facebook and that was from Luke and he said, Hey Jez, how do you book your guests Can you please have Nurgle of Behemoth on the show? Hey Luke, how you going dude? First things first. Well, booking guests. I could do a lot of it through PR groups and record labels, but the problem with that, what tends to happen, is they're only willing to give you 15 to 20 minutes. Now, I'm not really willing to compromise what we do here by only doing a 15-minute interview. I have unfortunately had to turn down some big names and some possibly big moments for the show based on the fact that the PR groups and record labels won't give me more than 20 minutes. So because of that length of interview that I like to do on this show... Everything is booked and organized through myself. I hunt it down. I take the time out to send a lot of emails, a lot of messages, and it's a lot of it is persistence to get the guests on the show. And I think it shows that we are willing to talk to everyone and anyone. As long as you like heavy music and you play in heavy music, we're going to have you on the show. We also are looking to do a few more industry people as well, so that will also feature soon. Now, Luke, you asked about Nurgle. Dude, I would absolutely love to have Nurgle on the show. And fingers crossed we do eventually get to have him on the show. But that's something that we're just building towards and eventually we'll get there. This week we also got some feedback through Facebook and that was done through a recommendation by Alex. And he said, great podcast and super handy to keep up to date with the heavy music scene. Fuck yeah, Alex. Notice your love and appreciation on a regular basis with our podcasts and our news articles. Thank you for the shout out and thank you for putting up the recommendation. Much love, much respect, dude. Much appreciated. That leads me into my next thing I need to say, guys, which is about ratings, reviews and recommendations on our social medias and wherever you listen to the podcast. Giving it a rating and a review and a recommendation, while it's very simple to do, is invaluable for the show and growing. If you have some time this week, help us out. Get on the Facebook, write a recommendation, give us a rating, 
If you listen to us on iTunes, jump on there, give us a star out of five. How many do you think we're worth? And give us a review. If you're on Spotify, like it and subscribe to it. Your help is invaluable for growing the Mosh Zone community. So enough of my ramblings at the start of this show. Let's get into the reason we're all tuning in this week. Our guest this week is Aaron from Betraying the Martyrs, an absolute legend and very grateful he was able to take some time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Great chat, not only to get to know all about the man himself, his discovery of music, the way the band has gone over the years and a lot of other ins and outs are discussed along the way. I need to say thank you, Aaron. Much love, much respect, much appreciated, dude, for taking time out for the show. That chat with Aaron is coming up now. So I kind of always start with, do you remember how old you were? And do you remember an artist or a band that wasn't necessarily heavy music, but kind of helped you discover what music was? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So my mum and my dad, they were always listening to, I I guess you can call it, you know, what was edging towards rock and metal at the time. My, My dad was listening to a lot of, motorhead and and black sabbath and stuff but my mum especially she was listening to an artist called t-rex fronted by an artist called mark bolan um, i mean i think that i think it's pretty popular but um yeah i i definitely remember like t-rex it was a it was a theme the theme song for a, a movie called billy elliott and they oh. got really into movies you know the movie yeah, it's yeah. about a little little guy who starts ballet yeah, no homo, but I got really into that movie and really into the sound, into the soundtrack, and yeah, and even to this day, like I listen to T Rex, but I definitely like their their fuzzy, kind of you know deep toned guitars and some of some of his tracks. Like that was definitely what kind of got me onto that track, and then you know it all followed on from there. You know, from then going into my dad's kind of motorhead collection, and then my and then my big brother brought home a Slipknot CD, and that was it for me. You know. So Slipknot was basically your gateway band in a way then? Oh, absolutely. Definitely. and Definitely what, that sound. Yeah. Well, what about it drew you in? Because, I mean, was it the fact that it was very angry and pissed off or is it just that it was fast and loud or was it the kind of, some people, it was the rebellion side of things. You know, they knew not a lot of people are going to like this and it's going to piss them off that they do like it. So what, what drew you in really to that sound? I think it was that. I mean, I come from a place called Leicester. It's like a, a smaller, smaller city in in England. Well, a kind of a village outside Leicester, and it's really kind of like a industrial industrial town. Like everyone just you know working in factories, and you know no one really kind of gets that much outside of their own business. And yeah, it, it, it did kind of seem a little bit naughty to kind of listen to that kind of music. You know what I mean? Mm. And uh, yeah, like the kind of yeah, you know, all the people that I was going to school with at the time, like, yeah, they were listening to whatever's on the radio or whatever. And yeah, it just, it just felt a little bit naughty. It was a little angry. And, you know, obviously when you're a teenager, you think that the whole world's against you and you're like, yeah, I'm going to listen to this and my family's going to hate me. It's going to be brilliant. So <laughs> I'm like, yeah, just kind of rebelling against my dickhead family who did everything for me. You know what I mean? So was, was music um, a thing in the household? Like, were... Were anyone in the family playing instruments or anything like that? Uh, no, not not so much instruments, but like my mum and dad, like I said before, like my mum were listening to a lot of David Bowie and a lot of T Rex, and my, and my, yeah, dad a lot of yeah, kind of the harder rock music. But we were never like super, you know. We, I don't come from a musical background at all, but you know, like on on Sunday afternoons, my mum and dad were always like jamming some tunes, and yeah, it really, really kind of got me into it. Whereas you know the rest of my family, like my brother, for example, he didn't really, didn't really pay much attention. But yeah, it definitely left a mark on me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, helping it always helps if music is in somewhat in the household. And um, what about the reaction? You know, you're saying you know you went for that rebellion side of things that drew you in. Mm. What was the reaction from mum and dad and family members when they heard this music that you were listening to? Honestly, I'd love to say that they hated it and I rebelled against them, but they were nothing but supportive. Like, you know, I went to school looking like a complete sweat. I had like, you know, 
I had like a, I think at one point I had a curtains, you know, like a curtains Ooh. haircut and a mohawk combo because <laughs> I wanted a mohawk, but I, I wasn't allowed to shave the side. So, you know, I had the at the middle, and the middle was going up with some elastic bands, and the side were just in curtains. <laughs> it's fucking terrible. <laughs> oh, no. You say that friends don't let friends go out with hairstyles like that, but my mum just fucking let me do it. <laughs> she wouldn't bother at all, man. <laughs> so you're obviously in high school. You're starting to kind of associate yourself as an alternative kid how was how was high school for you was it kind of were you an outsider or were you kind of like just you mingled with everyone how was high school being you as a kid i don't know when i think about like when i think back uh, uh, you know i I kind of it's almost i like to tell myself that i was a little bit of an outsider but when i think about it as well i don't know I'm pretty. I was pretty good with people when I was a kid and stuff. Like I definitely dressed like proper wacky, but, <laughs> but at the same time, at the same time, like when you're a kid and when you're kind of young, you you, you kind of you. I was kind of like in a battle. Like I didn't want to fit in, but I kind of wanted to fit in a little bit too. So I was kind of in between, you know, just you know causing trouble a little bit, but you know, still kind of dressing a little bit gothic. I don't know. I just think I was just very confused as a kid. No, definitely. Just very confused. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, it, I think we all are. I, I think we all are. I think <laughs> if anyone says they had it sorted out as a kid, they're, they're fucking lying. I mean, nobody has it sorted out. Um, it's the most Even right thing. now, I don't even know what's going on right now. <laughs> you're, just, you're just guessing your way through every day. <laughs> That's it. Just wake up. What's going on, <laughs> mate? Yeah. <laughs> so, so during high school, was this when you started? You know, was this the period you went? Music is what I want to do. Like, when did doing music as a career become a thought in your head? Um, <clears throat> probably. Yeah, it's pretty late on. I reckon. Uh, I'm gonna say like 17 because mm. I've been skateboarding since I was since I was like 10 or 11 or something. You know, I was skateboarding through. I was skating every day, and that was my life, pretty much. And and I met a guy, and I was skateboarding with him every day. And he mentioned to me that he had a band, and they were looking for a singer, but I didn't know how. But I was just listening to Slipknot a little bit and stuff. And and he says, "All right, I'm just come in for a practice." And I went, I went for a practice with him, and we kind of got started the band and that. And and it wasn't until we played a couple of shows, and then. Our drummer at the time, we was booking our own shows, and we we got a little tour going on. And I just I thought to myself, what the fuck am I doing? I don't think I can do this. I don't think I can, you know, get on stage and, and sing in front of people. And that wasn't until like a year, you know, a year after I'd started the band and that. And uh, yeah, yeah, probably at seventeen, I we started doing. I've always been, I always try and you know take the days it comes and that. And it wasn't until we were on a tour that I thought, oh shit, I'm on a fucking tour now and I've got to sort myself out. And, and it wasn't until we got the tour done that I thought to myself that, yeah, maybe I can do this. And, you know, kind of realised that yeah, I had a knack for it and I really enjoyed doing it. Yeah. So, yeah, probably about 17, I'd say. So you kind of felt, so by the sounds of things, you kind of just fell into being a vocalist. Did you, did you ever think oh, about playing absolutely. an instrument? Did you ever want to pick up a guitar or anything like that? Or Yeah, I did, but my parents couldn't afford it. Oh, you know, okay. I, I, you know, yeah, you know, I wanted a dog and I got a rat. You know, what I mean, I wanted, get a, I wanted a guitar and I got a shit skateboard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, my parents were always supportive, but you know, it's kind, of, yeah, it really just fell into it. Honestly, if if I hadn't if I hadn't have been a skateboarder, I, there would have been no way that there I wouldn't have fell into music. That's that's an absolute fact. I would I would never have found music the way I found it now if it wasn't for skateboarding. You know. Yeah, it's that kind of thing. Like what was meant to be was meant to be, basically. Absolutely, yeah. Honestly, it was really just a, a series of you know good, good positive things and a, a couple of negative things that just kind of, kind of fell into place. And you know, yeah, it's super crazy how life works. But I'm really glad it it worked out the way it did. Now, with vocals, when you first started out, you know, were you were you looking into um, how to do it, or was it kind of you know, because you listen to your voice now and you can tell that, you know, yeah. it's seasoned, it's trained, it's had the experience. But what was it like in the early stage? Were you losing your voice? Were you just guessing as you went? 
Yeah, I was definitely guessing. <clears throat> I think, like, nowadays, I think it's a lot easier for people to, I don't know, look on YouTube or, you know, look on the internet and they find, you know, how to do vocals and there's a lot of, you know, a lot of, it's very accessible for kids to, to kind of, you know, get vocal lessons, you know, free, you know, I mean, online. But when I was a kid, like, it was, I, I sound really old when I say that, but it was, you know, it, it was when, like, when I learned to, to do vocals, Bring Me the Horizon just had an EP out, you know, and, mm. and Whitechapel had their first EP out, I think, and, you know, Job for a Cowboy and bands like that. So I was just listening to pretty much those three bands on repeat in my bedroom and just trying to just trying to copy it, really, and then in, until it clicked. I don't know if you remember a band called Eternal Lord. Oh, Is that an Australian band? Yes. No, because we know, we know him because he filled in for I Killed the Prom Queen. Exactly, yeah. What was his mm. name? Smith Butcher, Ed Butcher. Was Ed it? Butcher, yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. So I was listening to that band as well. Fuck. A couple of my mates just, yeah, ain't it? Fucking hell. Fuck yeah, so I was it. listening to that band, yeah, with Job for a Cowboy and the first White Chapel and just, you know, just really practicing until I got it, until it didn't hurt, basically. And then, and that's just kind of where it sprouted from. So that, that early band you mentioned, you know, I think, am I right in thinking you, you kind of stopped for a while and you tried the nine to five kind of job? Is that, am I right in thinking you went through that process? Uh, no, I was, I was doing the whole, thank you. Sorry, somebody just gave me a drink. Nice one. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, no, I was actually doing the whole nine to five thing. Um, yeah, from the get go, I, I went into, I, I was working as a welder from I went out of school a little bit early and I went to, and I had a job, a work experience. We had this thing in, in, in England called work experience where you, you know, where like a, a company takes you in for a couple of weeks and you, and you kind of work for them and then you go back to school, you know, and they kind of give you your grade or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I ended up kind of just leaving school just after that and actually getting a job with the place. And I was a, a welder in a factory in, in Leicester. Shit. And I kind of did, I did that. In, in my first local band at the same time and I did and I actually had that nine to five job until until we trained the motor started actually until I left England and, and, and went to France so yeah I, I was always working you know so what was kind of factory boy yeah what was going on with the early bands then when the link up with betraying the martyrs happened were was the band not really going anywhere I mean were you guys trying to do something because anyone that knows those first bands you're in a lot of it is trial and error um and trial oh yeah absolutely absolutely well actually what happened was like i said earlier my my local band our drummer he was trying to book all of our shows you know and he ended up booking i think it were three three or four shows in a row with betraying the martyrs they came over to england actually and he, he managed to book our band to support them, but he was also booking the shows as well. Do you know what I mean? Because mm. they were betraying the Martyrs of Hell unknown at the time as well, with their old singer. And Victor, the other, the clean singer and the piano player, he, I think he put, he either put Diesel in a petrol van or put, you know, petrol or in put the Diesel, yeah. Petrol in a, yeah, yeah, or vice versa. And he actually blew up the van, and my mate, I was drinking at a local pub, and my mate actually like worked in the pub at the time, and they had a bedroom upstairs. So, so basically, we kind of invited the train the march to stay in the bedroom above the pub until they got all this shit sorted out, and that kind of ended up being a week instead of a couple of days. And because I was always drinking now, I was just getting pissed with the betraying the martyrs guys. <laughs> and when they went home, I don't know, yeah, fucking, I think it was like four or five months later, Victor, one of the one of the band members, just hits me up on Facebook, it's like. I, I remember you having a good voice. Do you fancy moving to France and you know joining the band? And I think three days later, I'd quit my job and I was over there. Fuck. So, mate, so, I left. So well from quick. the from the offset, because you know, um, everyone knows you know you're the Englishman in the French band. You know, so if right, you're yeah. if you're taking that leap, I mean. But I don't think people probably understand that leap. I know France is not very far from England. Um, it's, you know, a very short trip um, over there. Yeah. But still, you're uprooting. But culturally, mate, it's different. Yes. It's so different. Mate, so, I, I, was, I wasn't ready, man. I wasn't ready at all. So did you, did you just kind of 
was there any talk of maybe you staying in England and then just working from there with the band or was it always come and move to France? Mm, no, no, honestly, no, no, there was never, there was never that. Like it was kind of weird how it worked out. Cause one of the guys who was in the band, he used to work at a, a clothing store called all saints. You probably have it in Australia as well, but, um, mm. and he was working with a bird and he, he was talking with this bird about, you know, are we going to come over? And she ended up adding me on Facebook. And she and she ended up, like, saying to, to, to Victor, one of the guys in my band, he's like, oh, he's so hot. He can just move in with me. So I basically just moved <laughs> in and started a relationship, out, you know, from scratch with, with you know, no no previous history with this girl. Wow. It turned out extremely bad. But, yeah, but, but I had a place to live for a few months, which was nice. <laughs> but, yeah, no, honestly, like, it, that was never really, you know, the, the opportunity for me to do it from England wasn't really good for me. It was like they were extremely motivated from the get-go. So it was like, you know, you're either in or you're not. And I just, you know, I kind of chose to be in, you know. Now, that, that EP that you came in after um, had already been released, over, yeah. over here I remember it getting released and because, like you said, it was around the time bands like Job for a Cowboy were around and there wasn't a lot of buzz, yeah. but it was noted. What was it like yeah. over there when that EP had dropped. And what I mean was when you joined the band, was there any expectation or nervousness because of that EP being released or was it kind of nothing had really boiled to the surface yet? So there wasn't really any pressure. Honestly, there was, you know, it probably felt like a lot more pressure back then, you know, I mean, you know, as to what it actually was, but Mm the the band being a french band and the french really like to fucking hate on each other like (laughs) they they warned me they said listen everyone in france everyone in the french metal scene hates us because you know like the whole you know metalcore as you might want to say thing was kind of just they're they're a little bit behind you know what i mean so they were still kind of on the old school metal thing and any new kind of younger metal bands were getting hated on and in Betraying the Martyrs was one of those bands that were getting hated on. So they said there's going to be a lot of pressure because everyone hates it. You know, everyone thinks we're gay or you know, but when it was okay to just say that as a joke and it wouldn't be taken personally, but <clears throat> there was, there so was, yeah, I mean, there what, wasn't there hey, also, wasn't there also the rumor that the band were Christian at the time? Oh no, no, that was, yeah, it was true. I mean, the the founding the founding guy that the brains behind it all was the old singer you know and he oh, was okay. you know there, there was no doubt i think he still is he is a a devout christian and um that was kind of his vision he kind of like hired hired musicians and made the band out and stuff and and when i joined he they had already released you know like the the first ep as a christian band and, from that point of view, he definitely was like a lot of pressure coming into the band, like because I'm not a Christian, like mm. that's just a fact, you know. And and some of the guys in the band weren't either. And it was like, you know, you're going to come into this band, and there's some people, you know, Christian metal fans that were, you know, really kind of looking up to us, like, oh, did, you know, these guys are super Christian. I just couldn't, I just couldn't do it. So we had to release that first album with me, like, you know, not completely distant distancing ourselves from the, the Christian thing like but also like you know kind of you know paying a little bit of attention to it. it it was definitely a lot of a lot of pressure at the time there was a lot of confusion about what the band were going to be so yeah to answer your question yeah honestly there's a lot of pressure and uh but I, I think that the the French metalcore deathcore metal scene really accepted me well when when we when we released the album because it was the first time that I'd imagine that a French band had come through with a sound that was similar, you know, in in terms of production value, that was similar to, you know, the Whitechapel and the Carnifexes and all those bands that were buzzing back then. We were the kind of only band that were on that kind of level, you know. Yeah, and I, I, th- I think it definitely helped with that first album, uh, which was titled Breathe in Life, that you also scored a very nice connection label-wise. I mean, you guys were then linked up with Sumerian, so that that also yep. would have helped push you guys into the forefront of more people. But how'd that link up come come about? Did they approach you guys, or did you guys shop around your music and they were the ones that kind of went for you? Well, 
we were kind of heavily influenced at the time by all the Sumerian bands, you know, like Born of Osiris were coming out and they, they were doing really well and Vale of Mayo. And we were kind of really interested in that kind of technical side of things. And I think we posted, we posted a video on Facebook of one of our first singles from the album, which is called Because of You. And Ash, the, the CEO of Sumerian, actually liked it. So I think we kind of just kind of dared ourselves to kind of email the, the album to uh, label rep Nick Walters at, um, at Sumerian. And it basically just happened. Like within a week, they'd replied. Within a week, they'd just sent us a contract and we'd sign with them. It was it was wow. honestly the easiest signing. I, I don't mean to to sound like other up and coming bands like it's really easy, but you know it just kind of happened the way we wanted it to. So yeah, we're really kind of blessed for that. And how how was the album received? Because the moment you guys released that, you became very much a touring band. Which anyone that really knows the reality of being in a band to make any success, you have to get on the road. And you guys seem to oh, yeah. bang. You guys were on the road all the time, doing a lot of shows, not only in Europe, but you're also starting to get over to America. So, how was the initial like debut album received? All right, honestly, it's it's all a bit of a blur now when we think about it. Because yeah, I mean, we, we were doing DIY tours. You know, we were booking mm. our own tours, and then our very first professionally booked tour was in America. Like, we didn't tour Europe professionally, you know. We just went, yeah, we basically signed, we, we signed with Sumerian in 2011, and then by the end of the year, they brought us over to America to tour with Born and Osiris, Carnifex, and uh, Vale of Mayer as well. well I think a, so. It was a, a discovery tour, yeah. yeah. Anyway, like a very stacked tour for the mm. time, you know. That, that was our first tour, and then we got back, and then it was Bone Crusher tour in, in, uh, in Europe with Carnifex again, and you know, a bunch of bands that we'd previously looked up to and it was all a whirlwind you know and, and by summer 2012 less than a year later we were on tour in the states with slipknot and motorhead on the on the mayhem festival tour and it was just yeah it all went extremely quick so honestly i, I don't really know what to tell you man it was very it all happened very quick a lot of alcohol was involved you know? so had a great time man <laughs> <laughs> was an int a bit of a side question with that was being a being a French band, how how were you received in like you know the UK compared to America? I mean, the reason I say it is because I think nowadays everyone's becoming a bit more open to it. But I remember you know, showing my age as well is that if someone said they were they knew a French band or they knew a German band they kind of would turn their nose up to it and not give it 100% of attention? Oh, well, it, Australian people would, would, would yeah. act that way towards it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, honestly, like, you know, uh, England's great and I'm really proud to be English, but it, it's very much the same mentality over there, you know. English people, although they, they are one of the greatest crowds in metal, you know, depending on what band you are, it, yeah, we definitely did get that kind of reaction, you know, like, although I am English, you know, like, yeah, uh, we, we're not as well received as, for example, you know, like, Architects or, or While She Sleeps, you know, very English kind of roots band, you know, it really carried the flag. And, yeah, for, for a French band with a, with an English singer who kind of tore a little bit, like, everywhere more than, you know, we didn't really focus on the UK market. It was very hard for us to to kind of, yeah, plant the seed in, in UK. And honestly, it still is, you know. Are you guys, are you still at this stage of your career, which you guys have been going at it now? I mean, this is just for yourself. I mean, you're, you're in your ninth year within the band. Are you, are you still mm. are you still fighting against um, trying to say, you know, are, they, are the English crowd still saying, show me what you got, instead of like, hey, we're really excited to see you because you've established a name for yourself? Honestly, uh, it really depends what kind of tour we're on, you know, because, for example, if we go over to England with a band like Asken Alexandria, who get, you know, despite of it all, do get a lot of respect in England, then, you know, if we're direct supporting them or whatever, we, in turn, get a lot of respect too. But but if you go there as an opening or as a second, second band, like, you won't get that same level of respect. It's, it's really a tough one, like, We've had tours that have been absolutely fucking fantastic in England, and we've had tours that have, have, you know, not been as great. I think it's just 
it's same as like American bands, you know, American market. It's so overly saturated. They've got so many bands coming through and so many new, you know, like hype things that honestly, uh, not to blame them, but they have a short attention span because there's so much media coming through. It's kind of hard for them to, you know, keep a focus on any one band because we're a band that tours you know in every continent you know is once you come back you know for the first opportunity that you can come back and tour in england a year and a half after the last tour you've done it's kind of normal that they're they're like yeah you know kind of forgot about you a little bit and it's not one of our main markets but i fucking love england and i would love to one day seduce the uk market and and have him in the palm of my hand but yeah we'll see what happens i'm really quite surprised it hasn't already happened to be honest um Looking at the when you look at the discography, it's um, yeah. Now speaking of the discography, we'll get back into a bit of that. Was there was quite a period between Breathing Life and then the second album, Phantom. Um, yeah. A, an interesting thing was that you guys did that. I think you know a lot of people, the elitists, would probably have hated on you guys for was that you dropped the Frozen cover. Um, yeah. How how did that idea come about? Yeah, uh, honestly, well, I don't know. I think I think it was just a, a random, like, very casual conversation between Sean Keith, who who was a label rep at Samarin at the time, who is no, no longer with the label. Like, I think he was just watching the movie, and I think he got talking with Victor, who plays the piano, and he was like, "This movie's fucking, you know, going big." you guys have pianos, you guys have the kind of instruments that can make this song sound good in a metal track. Why don't you try it out? And just between him and Victor, you know, and I think he kind of got right in it and and then he ended up sending it back to the label and it was kind of a joke that kind of got out of hand and I don't know. <laughs> we, and the next minute we're in the studio recording it and next minute it sounds great and now it's like, oh, they want to film a music video for it. Oh. It was just a, a long-running joke that just kind of got out of hand. But listen... It brought us a lot of exposure and, yeah. you know, although we might be trying to like get a little bit away from it now, like no, no rag rats, you know mm. what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It, <laughs> it, it, it's, it, it was, by the sounds of things, it was like just a <laughs> bit of a, bit of a smart ass, Hey, we'll do a frozen cover. And they're like, no, seriously do it. And you're like, um, okay. Um, yeah, all right. Fuck it. I guess right, we're there now. All right. <laughs> but also, I mean, like you said, uh, which, I don't think anyone can hate on a band for doing a cover that actually doesn't sound like the original. Cause a lot of covers come out that just sound like the same, just slightly quicker, you know, double kicks or something. Um, and any, Absolutely, yeah. any attention is good attention. Um, and for a hardworking band in this day and age, the attention is needed because then it brings more sales. Cause we know that sales are now very hard for bands to do. And with, with Phantom, that was also around the time that people don't want to admit it, but nobody wanted to be called metalcore or deathcore anymore. Um, oh no, no, no! Even now, people fucking nobody wants to be called that anymore. You know, and it's sad. You know, it was it. It became an ugly phrase. It, everyone, and it still is, like you said. So, what was it like for you guys? Were you were you finding that people were kind of judging you based off your genre tag? Oh, definitely, definitely, definitely. But you, at the same time, you can't fucking please everyone, you know. Like no. you step out of the of the regular, you kind of like, you know, the straight up metal. There's always going to be one guy that's more, you know, more old school metal than you that's going to be there to fucking judge you. It's, it's, as much as it's open minded, it's also closed minded. You know, there's always going to be one guy. It's going to be more hardcore metal than you, and there's nothing you can do about that, you know. No, and I mean, with that album, you then rolled into um, the Resilient. Now, yeah. this album, it's I, I'm so I was ex- I was really blown away and excited about it because it felt like you guys were starting to mature as not only songwriters but you as a lyrical person and. The sound was still the same, but it was tweaked a bit. Um, it felt like you, yeah. you guys were really... It was more easily digestible. The, the, the thing we were really focused on is like, okay, we, the sixth version, you know, we've got a lot of strings, we've got a lot of pianos, we've got a lot of everything going on, but let's just 
stack it up in the right way, like a nice, nice Jenga that people can just hear each, you know, individual, each individual, individual, like, you know, like instrument can really shine and not kind of cover, cover the other one, you know, and that's, I think that's a mistake that we that we made on Phantom. We we toured with a lot of technical bands, and you know, during that 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 cycle, we toured with Slipknot. You know, we toured with we toured with Beneath the Massacre. Then we toured with Born of Osiris, and I think we picked up so many influences that we tried to to stack them all on top of each other that it just didn't translate that well. Whereas when we came into the Resilient, we're just like, all right, let's just take our time layer it up make sure everything's easily digestible and just you know let the fans love it and you know it really turned out well so that's exactly what we've done for this for this last album it's all ready it's all going to be coming out soon and it's fucking it's just an evolution of the resilient it's heavier it's darker it's fucking i'm really excited to get it out man Ooh, now um i want to talk about what you just said for a bit before i go back to something about the resilient you've been doing yeah. music videos um any yes. time, any yes. time frame on when people should be keeping an eye on their social medias for that, or is it still way too early to know when it will get released? Um, so the first one, the first single, I'm not. I don't want to put the. I don't want to put the phrase music video out there because it's not entirely the case. But mm-hmm. we have a new track coming out with some kind of media that I think is going to impress a lot of people mm. in. In the next two months, I'm going to say the next two months. That's nice. a fact. Nice. And then we've got another music video coming out for the next single. And then, uh, honestly, I don't, I don't want to say too much because I'm really fucking excited about how the next album sounds and how it's going to look. And, you know, we've really taken time to kind of, you know, look at the image and, and look at how we want to present it. And I think I think it's really going to be a, a great success story for us all, you know. I, I hear, I've seen that you guys have been saying that it's darker. I think that's yes, exciting. Absolutely. That's fucking, ooh. Yeah, so that, does that mean you're more pissed off on this album? Not that you're not pissed yes. off. Oh, for sure, <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> now, definitely. speaking of being pissed off, on The Resilient, something that was quite um, quite a breath of, breath of fresh air in this, this kind of genre was you guys took the time to write songs that were about the current climate of the world that we're in um was that a yeah. was that a conscious effort to do because you guys talked about the refugee stuff terrorism yeah brexit i mean a lot of bands in the genre of metalcore deathcore wouldn't do that i mean it's not really their thing um not that it's not right. allowed but you guys have used the platform that an artist has to actually open people's eyes to what's going on. Did you guys aim for that or it just kind of happened? Uh, honestly, it just really happened. You know, like uh, at that point in time, you know, when we wrote Last Four Words, it was just after the Charlie Hebdo uh, attacks in Paris, uh, you know, where uh, a few comic writers were slaughtered for, for their choice of words. And, um, and then after that, um, yeah, we, we wrote another track about um, about the Bataclan attacks where people were slaughtered just trying to listen to metal music. There was a lot of stuff politically that were happening in France at the time. And I don't, I don't think it's just us as musicians. I think it's just people anywhere mm. in Paris and in France. I don't think they could have avoided the subject. And, you know, we never set out to be a band that... It's really politically charged, and you know we didn't set out to to do that. It just kind of happened. There was no way that a person living in Paris or living in France could could have avoided that subject, and we couldn't have not been influenced by you know the things that happened, you know during that during that time frame. And uh, you know when you got such heavy emotions on the heart, you, you you can't not write about it. You know you can't you know, write about an ex girlfriend when, for example, you know just a couple of weeks ago. Hundreds of people were fucking mowed down just trying to listen to rock music at a concert on the same street where I live. You know, it, it was just it was just so hard not to not to write about it. And we we wasn't trying to put forward any political message to you know propel the band in any way. It just it just really happened, you know. And I think the the next album won't be as politically charged because there's not been as much going on but yeah to answer your question it, it really could not have been avoided you know what i mean 
Yeah, so, I mean, perfectly, as you said, it was a snapshot of that time when the album was written and recorded, and it, it shows, and it was epic. It's really, you know, really well delivered, um, and it's going to be exciting. Thank you, man. It's going to be exciting to now see what's pissing you off in 2018, 2019. Um, oh, yeah, there's a lot of pissed off stuff. Now... Definitely. With this year, with this year right. ahead for you, what's going on? Is it? I know you come. I know you're coming to Japan, um, which is near Australia. But you know, you've been to Australia once. Is there an Australia tour maybe on the horizon? Are you guys going to just once the album's released, are you just going to get back on the grind and tour and tour and tour? What's What's the go for the year? Yeah, the go is just basically just get as many places as we want. Uh, Australia's definitely been one that we want to we want to do it again we want to do it properly you know we want to do it I would personally I would like to come through with a uh, well, yeah, a support for a good Australian act like me and uh, us, sorry excuse me us and Make Them Suffer have toured together before mm-hmm. in Europe and, we, and we've done a, a few stints in America as well and we just basically hit it off really fucking bad. Like, make them suffer or our fucking boys and one girl. Like, we would absolutely <laughs> fucking love to come through with make them suffer in, in uh, Australia. So if you can make that happen, you just you hit up Sean or you hit Booker and tell them that yeah. we want to tour with them again. Well, <laughs> I mean, I, I had I had Sean on the show um, late last year. So it's it's kind of... Oh, yeah. I think, I think that would be the perfect kind of tour because I got out to one of your shows. I think it was a show in Melbourne. And I think the disappointing thing for Australian fans of bands like yourself was to see that I don't think a lot of people were turning out or not the right amount of people were turning out. Um, so I for, think... For our tour? Yeah. Mm. No, I agree. I agree, definitely. Uh, I think we kind of rushed into coming to Australia at a time that perhaps wasn't correct and, and perhaps wasn't we didn't come with the, the correct booking agency and uh, I think that's why we need to come with an established Australian act and you know just kind of break Australia in, in the right way you know showing respect for the for the Australian music scene which is fucking brilliant you know what I mean we just want to come through with an Australian band and just have a good time instead of just trying to come over there out of nowhere and trying to trying to break it, you know what I mean? Well, I do think Make Them Suffer would be the perfect band because their their shows around Australia last year that they did were selling out. So if they're the kind of band you can hook up with, I think that'd be fucking perfect for you guys. I think it would get you the right amount of um, coverage and the right right amount yeah. of exposure. Um, Absolutely, yeah. Just hanging out with them, they're fucking they're, they're our boys, real. Yeah, really, they're our boys. Great band, and and finally in Australia, also they're getting the recognition they deserve. So it's taken them a while, but they're finally getting it. Um, yes, absolutely. Now, a couple of other questions I got before we like start wrapping things up is, as someone who's in the industry as an artist, and you've seen the industry from a kid when CDs were still prevalent and a thing to now the industry being very much about everything on your phone for an artist where do you see the industry at the moment do you see it in a good way or do you see it still as a bit of a challenge for an artist i definitely think it's a challenge honestly like with all the and we we all use them you know uh, apple music comes out and and spotify and everything else music is more and more accessible for people who want to listen to it and that's you know argue, arguably that's a great thing but you know like obviously cd sales are going down and i, I don't know I, I don't know honestly i think it's always challenging to be an artist and i think in one sense or another artists are always going to get shafted in one way or another but that being said like people are always going to be there to enjoy the music and you know, and that's what we all got in it for, you know, just to give people the music and have a good time. So I don't think there will be a shortage of artists wanting to give the music to people, but there will there will never be a shortage of people trying to get music for the for the cheapest cheapest way possible. And I, I think that's just human nature, you know. Is it also now for for a band 
a bit harder to stay relevant because now now it seems like everyone's attention span has diminished because if you're not releasing a new single every two months, if you're not releasing a new video every, you know, two months, if you're not in people's faces with new merch, whatever it is, that they they seem to forget about you. Is that a new thing that you've had to adjust to? Yes, yes, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I think it's the same. You know, as far as you know, TV shows, movies, everything. Just there's so much media being put in people's faces right now that yeah, I think it's definitely hard for for people to kind of you know hang on to, to to bands when there's other you know there's so many bands coming out and the ways to produce music has become easier. Ways to to put out music is easier. It's, you know, it's, it's so easy for, for bands just to form and, and create a CD and put it out. And, yeah, you know, bands that are working hard are definitely getting overshadowed by, you know, this this mass of, of people putting out music. So, yeah, it's always going to be hard to keep up. Definitely. And, yeah. and, and social media, is it, do you see it as a kind of a really uh, useful yeah. tool or do you see it as something that, you know, at times it's like, fuck, do, do we have to put something up again this week on our social media to remind people we're still alive? <laughs> yes, mate, the bane of my life, you know, <laughs> like, I'll be, I'll be like, oh my God, it's been a week since I posted a selfie, but I put one out just so people know I'm still relevant. It's the bane of my life, you know, you, you're getting a little bit older and you're just like, should I put a selfie out? Because I know that if I put a band poster out, you know, if I put a tour poster out, it's going to, it's going to get 500 likes. But if I put a photo of my fucking face, it's going to get 2000. So yeah, what, you know, it's a very useful tool, but it's also very irritating at the same time, you know? It's shallow, but it's necessary. You know, it's kind of hard to pin it down. It's also got to be bad because it's a very easy platform to pub, um, you know, promote and let people know about music. But is there ever a time you're like, I don't want to post this poster of the tour again because I don't want to piss everyone off again to remind them that I'm doing a tour, but it is kind of essential I remind them. Absolutely, yes, yes. You know, I, I consider myself to be kind of, you know, a little bit simple, you know, I don't, I don't really try and brag or put myself out there too much and yeah and you, when you're getting a, a you know pressure from from every other angle to say oh I'll post this again you know to you know so it's out there and yeah honestly it's it's, it's a, an internal struggle that i have to deal with all the time <laughs> you know i, I want to stay modest but i also kind of want to be relevant in order for my for my band to be able to to, to play in front of people you know it's <laughs> Yeah, it's a struggle, man. Well, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah it's, it's a struggle when also people are saying how dreamy you look. I mean, that's got to be a struggle. <laughs> Mate, I, I would love to hear people saying that. <laughs> Just send well, them my way. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, got a question about the live music scene. You know, you guys play all over the world. Um, do you, Is live right. music still a thing that people go to? Because in Australia, we're kind of noticing there's a bit of a shift not a lot of people are going to shows unless there is a stacked lineup. So it needs to be three or four kind of big That's names. That's true. It's true. Um, is it everywhere? Is, is that just a thing? Is it now? I think, it, yeah, honestly, I think it is. Just like I said before, you know, so many bands, uh, so many tours are coming through in every every which direction that. You know, if you see, if you see, you know, one band that you like coming through with a couple of support acts that you've never heard before, you, I think you're a little less likely to go to it in comparison to, you know, a fucking and then Parkway Drive come through and it's got, you know, make them suffer on it and and the artist murder on it as well. You know, it's just there's so much choice that you can kind of opt to go for a tour that's more stacked and you can just go to another one that's going to be just a month apart, you know, like, whereas before I think it was, you know, bands were just coming through a little less regularly. And I think there's so much choice that people can pick and choose. And, you know, given the chance, of course, you're going to pick and choose to, to go for the, for the fucking stacked lineup, you know, and I, I, I don't blame people for doing that, but yeah, people will definitely have a tendency to, to, yeah, to go for the, for the stacked lineup, you know, yeah, it makes it would make things so so much harder for a band. Like you said, it used to be 
if I don't see this band now, I got to wait a year, maybe two years before I see them. And now it's like, well, if I don't watch this band now in, you know, four or five months, I'll see them again. So it. Exactly. Yeah. They're going to go to Unified or whatever it's called. Uni, yeah. Uni, unified. Unify. Yeah. 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 Which is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Unify. It's fine. Or, you know, they're going to come through two weeks with this band or. But yeah, I mean it's a challenge, but you got to get you got to get to the top, and that's just the way it is, you know. Now the kind of last question of kind of well, there's two kind of questions left before we wrap things up. One is um, goals. What are your goals when you started, and what are your goals now as an artist? What are you aiming to Mate. achieve? Right. So the the goal when I started, I remember thinking to myself, there was a couple of bands in England. I don't know if they ever got outside of the UK as far as recognition goes, but there's two bands. There's one called Postmortem Promises, and there was another one called The Argent Dawn. Oh yeah, uh, they, they were. You re- you remember them? I know The Argent Dawn. Exactly. Yeah. Well, they they were kind of yeah these UK kind of deathcore acts, and I was I really looked up to them when I was kind of coming up, and I rem- remember saying to myself or to a mate of mine, I said, I just want to be as big as those guys are, and they weren't big at all. You know, they were playing, you know, a show every two weeks, you know, in a little village, and they'll get maybe a hundred people max, and you know, because I respected those guys so much, I just wanted to be that big, and I just wanted to have that kind of level of respect and uh and that that was my goal at the time but now it's so weird because when you know when when we dropped our first debut album breathing life we went went from being smaller than them to bigger than them in in a matter of weeks you know like like a week maybe went by and and then we got more people come to our shows than them and that would kind of blow me away and now now i don't know man I don't know. <laughs> I guess I'm a little bit, you know. I, I think I got a little bit, a little bit older, and I think when you get older, it, it becomes a little bit more difficult to idolise other people because you're so concentrated on your own life. So I don't think my goals now is to become as as big as this guy or the next guy. I just want to, I just want to keep it going now. I just want to make sure, you know, I just want to keep keep being on the road and. Although the band is growing in popularity and we are playing in front of more people, and we are getting bigger and bigger. That's, you know, that's not my wish anymore. I don't want to. I'm not desperate to to get big, and I just want to. I just want to keep it going. I just want to make sure this period of my life lasts for as long as it can, because I'm really enjoying myself. You know, that's a great answer. Is that cheesy dude. to say? Yeah, that's a great <laughs> yeah, answer. Is that cheesy? No, that's a great answer. Now, this part I'm about to do is how we wrap up every chat, and this is called. Pick. Okay. It's called Pick Your Poison. Now, what we're going to do here, right. dude, right. is I'm going to give you two options. And in <laughs> in these options, you have to pick your favorite of the two. Now, you can you can explain your decision or you can just roll with it and leave the consequences All where right. they lie. All okay. Right. All right. Go on then. Let's do it. Would you prefer a pizza or a burger? Pizza. Ooh, straight off. Chicken or beef? Pizza, absolutely. Go on. Chicken or beef? Go on, hit me. Hit me. Chicken, chicken. Okay. No doubt. Chinese takeaway or Indian takeaway? Indian takeaway. Oh, he's rolling with them. <laughs> uh, w- would you prefer a beer or a whiskey? Beer. Well, both. Fuck it, both. Ooh, okay. I actually like both. I'm, I'm a huge beer drinker. I drink beer. Every day of my life, absolutely no doubt. Unless there's some kind of medical emergency where I can't do one <laughs> or the other, but I'll definitely drink beer every day of my life without without doubt. But a little whiskey going along with that, I wouldn't say no. Uh, do you prefer mayo or brown sauce? Brown sauce. Yay. Sauce. Yes. Mayo is fucking gross, man. <laughs> that, hey, you're, you're probably the first English person to ever say that. My wife is English. And she is obsessed with mayo. So you're the first. Mate, brown sauce all day. You can't have a sausage without brown sauce. And you know what I love about Australia? Fucking, what are they called? Vegemite scrolls? Is that what yes, they call them? Vegemite scrolls. Yep. Mate, all about that. <laughs> Mate, oh, I love it. And I, I, look, just, I think one I just thing fell I also in love, love with you. Australian TV. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Mate, Australian TV. I watch Australian TV all the time at home. Really? Anything. Yeah, my missus watches Australian Bachelor, The Bachelor, and oh, I watch. Oh. 
I don't know. <laughs> all, these, all these dating Australian shows. Australian people is funny, man. Australian people have got a sense of humour that, that the Americans just don't have. And uh, English people do have it, but we haven't got many good TV shows. So Australia is, is the next best choice. All right. <laughs> Cooking or going to a restaurant? Uh, I'm going to say cooking. I really enjoy cooking. Okay, nice. Cinema yeah. or go, or watching a movie on the couch? Movie on the couch. Can't smoke weed in cinema. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, do you prefer the beach or the snow? Beach, without a doubt. Okay, now the next one, I think I know the answer. Would you prefer skateboard or rollerblade? Skateboarding, absolutely. All right. Absolutely. Would you would you prefer to <laughs> would you prefer to ski or surf? Definitely surfing. Definitely okay. surfing. Okay. So I, 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 I would have replied a little bit quicker, but I don't know how to do either. But I, <laughs> but seeing as surfing comes along with the beach, I'll just do the surfing. Now, are you a cat person or a dog person? Both. Uh, I, I'll probably go with. I'm going to say dogs. Okay. I'm going to say dog. Good answer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Would you prefer Batman or Superman? Oh, I'm not bothered either way. I want to see what one thing that I can tell you. Anything sci-fi or, or fantasy. Honestly, I mean, I'm, I'm really not fussed. <laughs> I'd just, just, just have a beer and talk about some real shit. But I don't know. Maybe. What was the question again? Superman or who? Batman. Who's the other one? Uh... Uh, oh, oh, Superman. He's got powers. The other one's just got cash, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Best answer ever. Um, <laughs> Slayer or Pantera? Mm, Slayer, just because we haven't told with Pantera before. Okay. Cannibal Corpse or Black Dahlia Murder? Black Dahlia Murder. Okay. Whitechapel or Despised Icon? Ooh, Whitechapel. Okay. But I love both of them. But, you know, Despised Icon have some questionable albums, but I do love them. But I think Whitechapel have got more more consistent dis- discography, I reckon. Yeah. Corn or, lo- or Limp Biscuit? Oh, probably Limp Biscuit, to be honest. Yeah, I've got a soft spot probably. for them. I hate to admit, but I do. I've got a soft spot for them. Um, yeah, yeah, me too. Fuck it, they're great. Um, great. Would you prefer to be in the mosh pit or up the back watching the show? In the mosh pit. Okay. Would in the you... mosh pit, but I'll get in the in the back just so I can get a photo for Instagram, so everyone knows <laughs> that I'm friends with the back. Yeah. Otherwise, <laughs> you know otherwise, I mean? how do they know you Watch. were there? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, go check me out backstage. Fucking <laughs> <All right. laughs> Would you prefer to tour or record? Tour, okay. no doubt. Now the last one is a the triple one. Would you prefer to own an album on CD, vinyl, or would you prefer to download it? Uh, oh, I'm going to say download because I don't have a CD player or a vinyl player at home. <laughs> I don't know anyone that owns a CD player. It's dead. <laughs> Who has that now? It's dead. It's done. But I'm, big respect to people that collect vinyl. You know why not? You know. But, yeah, personally, I, I think that if you buy the vinyl, then nowadays I think that you get a, a thing in, in the vinyl where you can download it too and have it digitally. Yes, it digitally download. Yeah, you do. But it, I do think it's weird with CDs that now cars are being built without even a CD player in, in the car. Like, yeah. Fucking it's weird. It's madness. Madness. Um, What's going on there? Aaron, that is yes. us, man. That is us all done. What a fucking dude, man. Thank you. That was dude. fucking sick. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm going to tell you this now. I was outside, and I think it's minus one now Fuck. the whole time. I'm in van, so I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go put my toes on a radiator, but it's really <laughs> nice speaking to you. <laughs> oh, dude, you absolute legend. Well, thanks a lot for speaking to me. You know, I've had a great time talking to you, and thank you all for listening, whoever's listening.
So that was my chat with Aaron from Betraying the Martyrs. And at the end there, you also heard their song Disconnected, which is from their most recent album, The Resilient. Now, if you don't know Betraying the Martyrs and you like what you heard there, get online, get in store, get into their discography. There's plenty of music there and a lot for you to enjoy. They're one of the best bands doing their sound, so you will not be disappointed. Also, make sure you follow the guys on their social medias, because as you heard Aaron mention in our chat, there's a new album on the way, so you're going to want to keep your ear to the ground so you know what's going on and you know when it explodes onto the scene. Thank you again, Aaron. I really, really appreciated you taking time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Absolute legend. I look forward to catching up next time you're in Oz. Thank you again, dude. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. So that's it. That's the Mosh Zone, episode 54, done, dusted, all wrapped up, in the fucking can, locked away for this week. Guys, if you're a first-time listener, thank you for tuning in. I hope you come back over future weeks on future episodes. If you're a regular listener, thank you as always for tuning in and hope you come back in future weeks. This time of the show is when I remind you that we need your help to get out to more listeners. So if you've got a few moments this week and you enjoyed this episode, share it on your social medias. Also, tell everyone you know about the Mosh Zone. Help us out. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. Also, at this time of the show, I need to remind you that if you want to find Mosh News and Mosh Reviews, we have it all on our website and social medias. Our website is www.themoshzone.com. Our social medias are all at The Mosh Zone, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, don't forget... You can also get in touch through our email address, which is themoshzone at gmail.com. Get in touch, guys. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. There's not much else to talk about. That is all of my rambling done. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great week. Stay safe. Open the pitch.